Evening coaches, welcome to the Locker Room Podcast, Daily Sports Science. Ryan Jones back again tonight. Ryan, great to have you back on and our regular contributor, Daniel St. Ledger. Lads, we were at a few games over the weekend. I think we've sort of, we've travelled the length and breadth of the company. We've, we've, we've watched a couple of games, Ryan. You've been a few, Daniel, myself and yourself were together uh, as well yesterday in the athletic grounds. Great occasion, brilliant attendance, great atmosphere. Ryan, probably the game of the, the, game of the weekend, Dublin Kerry, uh, two teams that are, that are very, very uh, much in, in, in sync with each other. A lot of rivalry, a uh, huge history, huge tradition. You were there Saturday night, Ryan? I was, Stephen, yeah. Um, was really looking forward to the match. I suppose Dublin, you probably felt needed the points, considering where they were at in the league. And then Kerry, after the Ireland final last year, you would have thought they wanted to come out and, I suppose, impose themselves as well. Um, to be honest, Dublin just came out of the blocks and Kerry couldn't deal with them. Uh, I think someone told me Dublin scored 2-9 out of their first 12 shots. Um, it was phenomenal the way they could, I suppose, beat their men, get into scoring zones. Conor Callaghan was unmarkable. Um, but the big thing for me was that Dublin were very aggressive on the Kerry kickout. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about Sheehan Ryan and whenever Kerry come under pressure and he needs to get a kick out away that there's, some people would say there's nobody better at it. Well, what Dublin did, and we've talked about you know, other teams trying this, he just went three banks of four, regardless of how many Kerry players were in their own defence. So Dublin set up four in the full forward line, four around the 45 and four in midfield, every single kick out. And at the start, Kerry couldn't deal with it because what they were doing was they only had maybe five or six defenders inside their own 45. So the short kick out wasn't on. And then they were driving it along and Fenton was mopping up a lot of the ball. Once or twice it did happen to come off where it went out over the whole lot and Kerry probably could have gone in for a goal or two. But in the finish, Kerry realised that the tactic that Dublin were setting up was was killing them. So what they actually ended up doing was they had to react and they put about eight or nine players. They just matched the numbers. So normally you would see whoever's hitting the kick out there in control of the way they want to set up. It was actually the other way around. Because Dublin set up three banks of four, after about the fifth or sixth kick out, then Kerry just said, you know what? just match them. So if Dublin put eight squeezed in, we're just going to send eight of our defenders and maybe join up with two half forwards to, to, to equal the numbers is what I'm saying. Yeah. And that was one thing I just thought Dublin were really trying out was that high aggressive press. Yeah. Um, and that probably set the tone for the first 15, 20 minutes of that game. And Dublin do have, Ryan, like the fantastic athleticism and, and physicality. And that probably, you know, it, it does ledge me and you talked about this yesterday. When you press high on a kick out, like, and you win one, it gives you energy, Ryan, doesn't it? Like, it, it obviously gave Dublin real energy, like, early in that game. Well, Stephen, I suppose there was a couple of years ago whenever they played Mayo. I'm not not too sure what stage was it, not Iron quarter final or semi final. And Mayo had Dublin rattled in the first half. And if you remember correctly, Dublin just went ultra, ultra yeah. aggressive yeah. with the squeeze. Yeah. And the first 10 minutes that second half, more or less, they blew, they blew Mayo out of it. And then that was that was the game won. It was the exact same the other night. And as you said, you got to be brave. And obviously, it takes a lot of work on the training ground. But it was something that was really obvious. And Shane Ryan had no other option but to just bomb it long. And like we all know how good he is at getting it away short. And as you said, Fenton out around the middle there. Yeah. I suppose Kerry haven't had David Moore now. Jack Barry is also a big loss. So Fenton had it all his own way, especially initially in the start, you know, the first 20, 25 minutes of that game. Yeah. And Ledge sort of trialed Conor Callan in around the middle of the field there this year, but King Kong was back to his best the other night, you know. 
Yeah, I, I think he had the number in his back, but I think he drifted in fairly quick. I, I tell you, it's really interesting. You know, Ryan was talking about the Dublin kickout, and mm. it, the, the kickout, I know some people kind of might think we go on a bit at living off a lot of kickouts, but kickouts create the environment for other things to happen. So, like you Absolutely. look at Kerry, Kerry pressed every Dublin kickout as well, pressed it poorly, though. They, pre- they went with a man to man kind of a half hour's press, we call it. And like I said, David O'Hanlon never had a handier night in goals. Dublin went into a bunch and break. And all O'Hanlon had to do was one step chip at either side. Yeah. And because Dublin were getting such a platform from their own kickout, Kerry couldn't get into any kind of a, an environment at the event. They only got it once, I think, in the first half where maybe Paddy Clifford got around John Small and they should have had a goal from it. That was the only chance they ever really threatened the kickout. And like you, you, you look at that on the other foot, you look at Dublin who were, as Ryan said, like hyper-aggressive, hyper-aggressive. You could see from the behind the goal shot, it was like each line of four had a rope tied to their hips. I sent this to yesterday. It was like that a big elastic band. And when Shane Ryan moved his body to the left to shape to kick out to his right hand side, they yeah. all shifted with it. And then yeah. when he moved the other way, they all shifted back. And if right. nothing else, it's a visual illusion. So as Ryan said, like Kerry probably didn't have enough flares into it. But... It, it makes it makes a keeper think, Jesus Christ, where is there to go here? Because all they're seeing is this like four lines of blue players, uh, three lines of blue players swaying right and left, and it's really hard to pick something out. But that created the environment for Dublin to play with a real edge and a real intensity. Whereas on the other foot, I think Kerry's pressing tactic was the, the man-to-man idea. Just never they never got the environment to really put Dublin under pressure. And I think that was one of the most interesting things. Like you've got two teams both pressing kickouts. But this is where the coaching nuances come into a little bit. Like for me, only one type of kickout press works really, and that's when you have that when you have that zone set up. Like I mean, it's very hard to go man to man, and especially like if Clifford, let's say David Clifford, has one weakness. Like I know, I I said looks a little bit targeting him in the Ireland final to to get to get Merchant on ball and get him out because let's yeah. call it spade a spade. I don't think he particularly likes going backwards. So <laughs> Kerry need Kerry need his own, and and it's, it was, I thought it was funny that they went for the man to man press because. Like they're probably the like you remember 2016 when they went after Cluxton hard before half time they got the two goals. Like yeah. they're the, one of the earliest proponents of of a proper zonal press. So look, maybe a bit of shadow boxing, I don't know, but I thought I thought it was really interesting. Both teams pressing kickouts, but both doing it to varying different degrees, you know. I think it's fantastic, lads. We're talking about it because lads, we're gonna talk about Donegal Armagh very soon. And me and you came away yesterday. The you know, the takeaways we had yesterday from that game were more or less Sean Patton and and Blaine Hughes, but we'll come back to that. But Ryan, come back to Dublin. I remember my first experience at Dublin 2017 with Carlo. Obviously, we, we heard this 44-44. We didn't know what it was. We worked out pretty quickly straight away that it was the banks of four. And the press was just unbelievable. Now, we were probably maybe a, a kick out or two, Ryan, away from maybe getting a goal chance ledge. You know, just a wee, a wee flick of the ball or a break of the ball. But it's the risk and reward, Ryan, that they really put into this, you know. And one thing I'll say to you is this. I would probably look at Dublin and I'm thinking at the, at the way they press teams and the aggression Daniel talked about. Like, it's just the aggression of that press. Niall Morgan, for example, I'll give you an example. Like, me and Niall will play a bit of golf now and again. And he said in 2018, in the, I think it was the semi final, no, final, final, sorry, 2018, the final. Do you remember Tyrone went 5 1 up, Brian, after about 10 yeah. minutes and they were cruising yeah. and they were going really well. And we, Bradley, was causing havoc inside. Keno Sullivan, an off and a hamstring injury. And Dublin were in a bit of trouble. And then all of a sudden he said, after about 12 or 13 minutes, Dublin worked out what they were going to do. So Tyrone's two kick-out strategies that year were get it away within 10 seconds or hit Colin Kiabna. He says, the dubs had us worked out within about 10 minutes what we are doing. So what they done, Ryan, he says, like, more, and then Morgan's an incompetent keeper, one of the best in Ireland. He says, I set the ball up, Stevie, 
and I'm looking at the field and all I can see is just a fucking sea of blue and they're moving and the hands are up and the intensity and, and the body language of the press, Ryan, is so important. It's okay throwing those bodies forward, like, but as Daniel says, there has to be a real energy and intent about it. Would you agree? Like, yeah, that's it. They they back themselves, you know, they've total faith. You know, you see some teams that set up three groups of four, as you said, but they're they're nearly afraid of actually going for it because of what's gonna possibly happen out over the whole lot. When Dublin set that up, they're convinced they're gonna win the ball. And they just as you said, they just go at the opposition then from there. The other thing I like there was three or four maybe free carry players in around Fenton or even beyond them into the carry forward lane. And he wasn't or none of that bank of four was concerned at all this is what they were doing don't get me wrong once or twice it did go wrong in that the ball happened to break and Kerry were away and they could have had maybe another day they could have had a couple of goals but that was a big thing for me the other thing you mentioned there was Merchant Merchant picked up Clifford and there was numerous times we all know about Merchant bombing forward and he's, he's deadly at it but the only thing I noticed from the sideline was that every single time Merchant went beyond the 45 so his defensive 45 cliff if clifford didn't track they were shouting at merchant to go back yeah and uh, every every other dublin player could do what they want they could tramp up the pitch as often as they wanted but he was the, the one guy that they were constantly telling stay back on him so i think that was probably something that they were trying and um, you know for maybe later later on because we do know as i said merchant's strengths going forward overall i actually thought merchant done decent on um clifford mm. you know of course clifford's going to have a few moments but um that'll be interesting to see now if they meet each other down the line in a big game. Will they go with Fitzsimons again or will, they, will Merchant be given that role? The other thing what impressed me about Dublin is, Stephen, we talk about coaches working a lot on sending big midfielders inside or sending maybe a big half forward inside on a mismatch. And a lot of the time, you don't see the high ball going in unless there is that so-called mismatch. With Dublin, yeah. they have obviously worked so much in the training ground with Con, Paddy Small, Kieran Kilkenny. They're not the tallest guys, but their ability not to win the ball above their head, it's their ability to pin their opponent back with their body. And Dublin aren't afraid. Like they play great football and they come off the wings and great angles running. Yeah. But they're not afraid. They're not afraid to launch the ball in on the on the boys in the full forward line and back their strength. And it's having that variety in their game, Ryan. It's having, having that variety. Yeah. And it yeah. also means yeah. then that it also means then that Kerry were reluctant to come pressing out because they knew one long ball in the in over the whole lot to con. And if he got, I suppose, in front of his defender and used his body, that's where the penalty came from. And at the end of the day, it might look like a soft penalty, but if the right ball is delivered in and the defender is pulling, pulling out of the forward, if it's inside the box, it's still a penalty. So yeah. that was something that they weren't they weren't afraid to mix their play, as you said. Yeah. And here, Tanya, like, come back to what, what Ryan's saying there, you know, the, the ability to sort of have a, a, a plan B as such. My worry for Kerry is very straightforward. And I said this actually, I was chatting to Benny Kohler today about this. Like, and I was saying, if you take the two Cliffords out, and I've said this for a long time, Daniel, if you take the two Cliffords out, Kerry all of a sudden become very, very ordinary. Like, I just think Dublin have a wee bit more flexibility and a wee bit more variation in their game, you know? Yeah, I think so. And and, and you were mentioning Martian, and the, the, I, thought it, I thought it was an unusual matchup on Clifford, given that there's about a two foot height difference. And But you know what? It actually kind of, I think it spooked Kerry a bit because they, they obviously very early, like very quickly identified. Clifford's on a mismatch here and they started kind of launching 60, 70 metre ball in in front of Clifford even though there wasn't necessarily like a whole lot of numbers it was just it was 50-50 stuff for I, I, I still think Clifford's better on the floor like I mean yes he's a big man obviously and he's a good pair of hands but 
few space in front of them, put it in front of them. Don't try and don't try and skip a whole line. I think Kerry are best when they're playing through the lines with little 20, 30 yard kick passes. It's much harder to defend. Where sometimes I thought Kerry were launching direct ball, skipping their half forward line, and Tipper was isolated. Like, look, in saying that, he still probably should have had he could have had three goals easily at the same time. But I thought I thought Merchant did quite well. Um but but Dublin started the difference between Kerry and Dublin. I thought Dublin's variety, as you said. Like sometimes there was little inlet passes coming in. Sometimes Con was going for a little backdoor cut. Sometimes he was he was drifting to the back post to look for a diagonal long ball in. As you said, that variety I think was really really nice in Dublin's play. And I I, I think Paddy Small probably had one of his better games in, for a while. Um, yeah. I think he was really good. But ultimately ultimately Con is the orchestrator of all of that. And what you had at the weekend was a pissed off Connacht Allen that's sick of listening to David Clifford being the best footballer in the country and the best that ever was he played with a real little bit of edge that I probably haven't seen in Connacht in a long time and ultimately what you had was two of the best as far as I'm concerned two of the best forwards in the country going hammer and tongs and I, I, I thought Con came out the better of it like, but another day Clifford could have easily had 3-3-3-4 three, 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 but I suppose from Dublin's from Dublin's concern I guess that the majority of good things that came were coming through Con. you know what I mean ultimately he yeah. was he was the linchpin. And we talked about big players. If Con goes for Dublin, I think they're different teams. Yeah. Ryan, just what Daniel's saying there is very interesting because I had a conversation today with a colleague in school and we're chatting about Con and Clifford, you know, and he was sort of saying that Clifford, he's great to watch, kicks points, fantastic. He says, but it's an interesting one. He, he made it very, very straightforward. He says, like, Con gets me on the edge of my seat. He makes me sort of, you know, what's going to happen next? And, you know, that sort of plant and drive, you know, that I think, Ryan, you sort of mentioned to me off her as well, his ability to find space, you know, he's 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 a phenomenal forward. Like, he's probably one of the best forwards in the country by a mile. Like, you know, he's he's, he's, he's something else. And I just think, I would, yeah, yeah, go on there, go on there, shoot. Well, what I would say is I feel Clifford, there's, there's no difference really between the two of them. Clifford's skills are unbelievable, but Con's yeah. ability to accelerate, de-accelerate, yeah. step, Tell me, this, body. tell me this, Ryan. Is it a wee bit like the sort of the Messi Ronaldo debate? You know, Clifford's got that sort of silkiness about him, but Con's yeah. got that dynamic power yeah. and ability to just change a game out of nothing, like you know. Yeah, Con, Con, yeah. Con's um, his his figures in the gym must be unbelievable. He's so powerful, <laughs> you know, the way yeah. just the way he's, he can step his opponent. I mentioned there already, he can, you know. Show one way and then all all of a sudden plant and go yeah. and cut the other way. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned there, Stephen, to me, or you're we we're on about the two um the two Cliffords and probably Sean O'Shea. If you take the, if you can really I suppose do a job on them three to an extent. You know we mentioned this last week. Are Kerry the same force? They're definitely not. And I was just looking at their lineout the other night. Sean O'Shea, Potty Clifford, and David Clifford stayed on the pitch. Their other three forwards were all taken off. They were, yeah. I think it's, it's a Declan Gene at number 11. Yeah. Burke at wing half forward and Dara Moynihan. So I still feel Jack O'Connor still doesn't know what his best six six forwards are. And, yeah. you know, the, them three boys that we mentioned are obviously always going to play every single minute. But he's still trying to find who to mix in with them. And I think that's the, that's the major thing. Is Has Kerry got the depth that maybe Dublin have? You know, Bulger the other night was excellent. Um, Kilkenny, not four. Ross McGarry got through a mountain of work. Like he gets on the ball, makes it happen. You know, you've Paddy Small, obviously you've Con. Like they maybe have more all round, better forwards would be my my thought on it. Yeah, Ledge. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, there's more dynamism about them. 
that that that'll be the word I'd use for for the Dublin forwards. And like they can look, they, they have their hit and miss moments as well, but but they're more dynamic. I think. I mean, you as you say, like wing forwards chipping in with a couple of scores, I think is is always a massive thing for a forward line that you're not support, totally dependent on a, an inside forward to get ninety percent of your scores. And as I said, Kilkenny, Ross McGarry chipping in with a couple here and there. Like I thought, Sean Bugler was. I think he is top class. To be fair to him. Um, especially on the counter attack, he's, he's always coming up with a couple of scores and getting through mountain work as well. I, I think that's a huge, that's a huge fill up. I, like, I, I look, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be writing carry off or anything like that too no. early. I don't um, think anybody is, O'Daniel. I don't think they are, but at the same time, you know, Dublin were wild impressive the other night. Wild impressive. It was, it was, it was the best. I uh, put it this way the first 20 minutes was the best I've seen Dublin. And you know, we probably are hyper, not yeah. hypercritical, but we'd analyze Dublin an awful lot. And every little thing they're doing yeah. compared to the team fight six years ago, I thought they were. Top end yeah. for 20 minutes at the start of that game. On, well, on one, thing, one thing, Ryan, I said last week, I don't know if you picked up this the other night, I said last week, I thought in front of goal, their unselfishness is unbelievable in front of goal. Like, they're always going to give it to the player in a better position. Like, always, like, you know, it's yeah, it's really unselfish stuff, like, you know. And the other thing is, Stephen, they have a killer instinct. Yeah. You know, if there's any sniff of a goal at all, they're going for it. Like, even that first goal where Con yeah. stepped inside and stuck it in top corner, most players will step inside and fist up all over the bar. Um, yeah. what I what I also noticed was a lot of them, they're given they're given a license to take shots off. Sometimes you'd be saying like certain coaches would be telling you work the ball to the perfect score. Like Kieran Kilkenny the other night was taking shots with his left foot. They probably be saying that's his weak foot. He shouldn't be shooting from there. Fenton took one yeah. near the very end from maybe near forty five yards out, left foot sealed over the bar. So it's you wonder what does Desi Farr and his coaches be sending these lads in training? Do, you know, are they allowed to go and express themselves? Are they allowed to go for those shots if they if they back their own ability? Um, like another day, you'd be saying if that didn't go over the bar, Kilkenny, what, why are you shooting from there on your on your weak yeah. foot? Um, so they're given a license to, I suppose, express themselves. It's that's yeah. an interesting that's an interesting one, right? Like if if you're um, let's say um, I know Sean Lowry from Vincent's played a little bit last week, he probably doesn't have that license to shoot from anywhere. But when you're uh, when you're a con or a Fenton or Kilkenny, mm-hmm. I think you have enough credit in the bank that you can. Pull the trigger there whenever you feel like it. You, they trust the decision making, like you. And, and yeah. I, I, I think so much, so much good stuff goes through those lads' hands. Like they're, they're creative. They're, they're, but they can finish on top of that as well. Like for Fenton's chipping in with a couple of scores every single week without fail. Yeah. Like I mean, similar yeah. to Connor Glass, I think the two of them are, are kind of that that same ilk of midfielder, you know. Yeah. So I suppose Dan, that that's just from yeah. a from a from a player's you know improvement of skill point of view and also coaching. Probably if you're on a if you're on a Dublin squad and you're just in, you're probably not going to use your weak foot in training to take that shot off. But if you're yeah. a Brian Fenton or a Kieran Kilkenny or a Con, they know they're going to start every game. So what I'm saying is them boys are probably trying these things in training. The next yeah. step then is they'll try them in the National League. And I suppose you, you increase the you increase the intensity of the competition as they go along. So yeah. um, it's that's, that's what I felt was the, the ability of them players there to showcase their skills, their weaker foot, back themselves was um you know the standout from them and maybe the lesser teams. Well, the big things ran too as well. Like when you're looking at Dublin and Les, we've analyzed the backdoor cuts, we've looked at Dublin's offensive patterns. You know, this was long before obviously aka Rory Gallagher Derry came into the scene. You know, Derry have probably brought the offensive shape to a different level. And you know, you're seeing elements now of teams trying to play in, in a third of the pitch and probe and overload one side, etc. There's so many different variations coaching wise, like but Dublin were the, the the originators of the backdoor cut. But one of the reasons why they were so unpredictable, in my opinion, and I want I want Daniel, I want yourself and Ryan's opinion on this. The likes of Kieran Kilkenny be driving down under the Hogan stand, right? Driving down under the Hogan stand, heading towards the hill. 
and he's got Con O'Callaghan or Dean Rock cutting off the off the Hogan stand, and he's playing a pass with the inside of it, an inside pass with his left hand. Whereas most Gaelic footballers are maybe only one handed or one footed, you know, and that gives a team such a distinct advantage. Like, you know, when you've got the ability to play off both feet, what Ryan talked about there is so crucially important. Like, I actually think, lads, you get to a stage where you're too old to be coached that, you know, like once you miss that window at underage level, if you miss that window of opportunity to work on your, on your less predominant side, like it's, there's no point in working if you're 24. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you get it at a certain window and that's it. Like, but surely Leslie, that's a massive advantage when you've got those skill sets, like massive advantage. Yeah. And I don't think it'd be any secret that, that most of Dublin sessions would have about half an hour of, of really basic, simple skills integrated into them. I know talking to some of the Sylvester's lads that would be there, there is a massive emphasis on the simple skills and look as you you go to a junior club and the manager might be doing simple hand pass and pick it up the kick pass and they might be saying jesus christ i'm already paying someone for it but it's a different story <coughs> when you're set up like that you know there's a real value put on as you say a left-handed hand pass to the stomach there's a value on that there's a value yeah. on a proper pickup and it, when they're when when they're doing those things at tempo as ryan said when you're lifting the intensity and obviously their training is at another level altogether those simple skills. How often do we see those simple skills be the thing that things that let you down in a large final? Like it, it's 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 very rarely the tactics and all the rest of it will get you to a certain point. But how often is it a is it a hand pass to the floor when you're when you're true on one on one and on on goal and there's a man beside you? How often is it a kick pass that is instead of one bounce in chest, it's up around someone's head and it gives the defender a chance? Those simple skills are really really undervalued, probably. You know, I mean, it, it, there's there's. There's a lot of sexiness in GA at the moment, like with various different things, but the value in simple skills is, is cruel. And, and and probably, as you say, once you get to a certain stage, mid-20s, you might lose sight of that a small bit, but I think it's something that coaches should be emphasising in their training sessions religiously. The value of simple things done really well, but done over and over and over again. So when you get to the point of the game, it's second nature, you know? Yeah. Ryan? Yeah, well, I feel it's like everything. You know, you'll see players working on them maybe before training. Yeah, you might see you might see players trying them an odd time in training. But for me, them Dublin boys, then they're taking it to the next level. They're actually backing themselves in a national league game, and they're saying, yeah. "I'm going to go for it." You know, yeah. and that's how you develop it further and further. You know, there's probably a lot of teams that say, "Jesus, no, this is too risky. I'm not going to take this shot. I'm going to try and work it back, and we're going to try and." You know, get get a better angle for ourselves, and the best way to improve is putting yourself in an environment where the stakes are higher, and that's what the them Dublin players are doing. Kilkenny, Fenton, these boys are obviously trying all this stuff in training. Where's the stakes going to be higher than that? Playing a national league game against Kerry and Crow Park. What's the next step after that? Championship game in Leinster, and then they're you know they're all the time getting better. So. Uh, skill set, you know, they've got all the power, all the pace, all the tactics, but the skill set of them Dublin players is as well outstanding. Yeah, and let's, you know, we we yeah, we were at the game yesterday, Armagh Donegal, and it's, it's a nice sort of lead into it because we watched the both warm ups, and Armagh's warm up was actually very interesting, Ryan. We we, we sort of watched a warm up where Armagh were trying to predominantly kick the ball edge, look for marks. There was a lot of that, you know, we could see very clearly they want to implement the aspects of their game that they want to play. It was sort of a 2v2 with one man kicking the ball in. But at the far end ledge, we watched a simple sort of three groups of three, or three groups, sorry, with four or five at each end line. And it was a simple straight line hand passing drill. But as Daniel said to me, Ryan, I'd love to hear your input on this. Like, because Jim McGuinness is delivering it and not, you know, Joe Bloggs down the road, it's, you know, there's a buy in. 
you know, and it, it's it's weird because you look at Donegal's warm up, how simplistic it was, straight line drill, straight line drill, straight line drill. But is coaching about the message rather than the actual, you know, dynamics of the drill of the game? You know, I think that's a massive part of it, Ryan. I am. I think um, McGinnis probably likes to keep it simple, but flat out. Yeah. I have no yeah, doubt he yeah. does. Do, I have no doubt that he, you know, of course, they, they work on other things in training. But I'm not too sure if the Donegal and Armagh, both brilliant teams, I'm not too sure if they're at the level. Now, it's only a national league if they're at the, at the level of Dublin and the skill set of the Dublin players. Yeah. Dublin scored 3-18, albeit it might be in Crow Park. The scoreline in that game yesterday, what was it? Um, uh, one, 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 nine, one nine to not twelve. One nine to not twelve. Yeah, uh, I actually watched the Dublin and the Kerry warm up, and a lot of it was based on skills. Uh, the it wasn't very intense. Now they did do a bit of you know, three on three, four on four, but a lot of it was based on shooting, passing, uh, kicking. You know, kicking thirty yards, then they'll they'll stretch it out, they'll bring it back in, then make it fist passing. So. Their their big I suppose emphasis was on definitely on skills in their warm up. Yeah, lads, you love that. Uh, you know <laughs> how simplistic it was, but like it's the man that's delivered it. You were sort of saying like you know if, if what, what was it you said to me yesterday? If a boy from Derry comes down and puts on a wee northern accent, yeah, and, and a boy from Leicester, <laughs> it's not the same feel. Like, it's true, like isn't it? Like you know, <laughs> sorry, sorry for using Leicester as, as a conundrum there, but go on. <laughs> well, it, it it probably it opens up a broader point about GA warmups in general and, and the amount of time. Yeah. Like yeah. I remember, I remember so many county games. Like even you might remember a couple of them. It was probably pre your era where we were looking for any excuse why we weren't winning games. And a lot of yeah. time, warm wasn't right. Warm wasn't good enough. Warm wasn't intense enough. And yeah, you go yeah. out the following week and win and do the same warm when it's fine, you know. So look, it's, it's interesting. But ultimately, as Ryan said, like you just want to get your skills moving because everyone will, everyone will have a warm with a different intensity. Everyone, some lads are like yeah. some lads want to go flat out for fifteen minutes before the game. Some lads are nice and chill. It's um, I like. I, less complexity is the better for me like I, as few yeah. cones as possible like you know you, you'd, you'd like to see but it I, I do I do think the 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 message is the key thing or right? it really is like I mean yeah. when, when I remember telling you a story yesterday about Peter Canavan came down to us in 2012 and did a session with Carton House during the training weekend and he just did a crisscross hand passing drill but because Peter Canavan was doing it it was the most intense 15 minutes we've ever done and <laughs> Luke Dempsey tried to do it the following week and it was a waste of time so like there's a huge amount of I know poor Luke, but he's only trying to try do the same things, and we fleece them then for not doing complicated drills. But it, it's the same. It's the message. It's how yeah. you deliver the message and what yeah. buy-in you get. Like I'm convinced there is no black and white right way to play football. There's absolutely not. You 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 do whatever suits your players. But as long as you have buy-in from your whatever 27, 28 players who yeah. are all willing yeah. to do to follow your system, whatever it is. I think that's that's yeah. the best plan ultimately, and I think the message yeah. is critical. In that critical. Well, well, yeah, I'd be, sorry, Ryan. I'd, yes, be one, I'd, be, I'd be one of those boys as well. You're always trying to get in early and see, Jesus, what's Donny Gall doing the warm up? What's Derry doing? Yeah. What's yeah. You know, we, yeah. we talked about it last week. Mark was saying a lot of their warm up was based on you know coming off wings. So I deliberately wanted to get in early. I was like, I wonder what Dublin and Kerry do, and I was actually shocked at how simple. Like it wasn't very taxing at all. But it was all the skills, yeah. you know, and it was yeah. Yeah, everything was covered: tackling, bit of kick passing, opening it out. Maybe then there was it was all fist passing. Then they they bring it in closer, and they just say it's only fist passing, you know, small sided games. But it was very yeah. simple, and it kind of made, it made me think of if you go to a soccer match, 
a lot of the soccer warm-ups are very much it's just a bit of movement at the, initially you know they'll yeah. have a coach that'll be showing them different movement patterns yeah. and then they just go into yeah. wee skills first touch maybe one touch yeah. you know open it out maybe then a bit of long range kick passing and that's all it is yeah I swear to God I swear to God this is the conversation we had this morning in the PE staff room in school our GA warm-ups over exaggerated right and my my whole thing was about, you know, even yesterday, I'm not getting a ticket anyway, but even yesterday, like, you know, the synchronizing of the whistles, you know, both groups stopping at the same time. It's all sort of regimented. And I think back to a couple of things, right? And this is this is my take on it. I remember in the noughties come going up the, the Leinster final every year. Myself and a good friend of mine, Kieran Conn, and I actually met him yesterday, led to the match. Uh oh, yeah. had him in the wee lad with the match standing behind the goals. Big R man. Well, he's not a big R man, man, he's a down man, but he married into Arma and now he's become a an orange and white brigade, but it's funny. But him and the wee lad were standing there yesterday, and I was chatting to him. And I said, Do you remember the year we used to go to the Leinster final every year? And we went to the Leinster final for some mad reason. We just, it was a jolly, it was a lad's day out. It used to be the second Sunday in July, and me and him would go up on the train and would have a few beers. But I used to love standing in the canal end, which we were in the, we were actually in the premium. I used to sit in the canal end and watch from behind the goals at the movement of the forward line. But I used to get in, Ryan, to watch the warm ups because I was only early in my coaching journey. I wanted to see, could I pick anything up? Yeah, and all these warm ups were so fancy. All these drills you pick more drills up in a warm up than you do yeah. anywhere. Right? Yeah. But then, Ryan, what you say, Bernard Jackman got me involved with the Dragons and the match day against uh, Ulster, and the Dragons were playing Ulster. So I was walking out, holding the water, carrying the water. Rory Best walking out beside me. The match was at eight o'clock, lads. The warm up started at half seven, right? Both teams were out at half seven, twenty five to eight. They did about 15, 20 minutes on the field, as you say, Ryan. Activation, quick skills, quick hands. They went back into the change. It was a 10 to 8. They were back out at 5 to 8. And it was like two minutes. It was The ball was kicked. And that was it. It was kickoff. You know, there was no extended 35, 40 minutes. And I honestly think, lads, out of all the sports in the world, boy, we over-exaggerate warm-ups something shocking. Like, I don't know what your views are like, but I think it's mad. Like, we're out. We do 30 minutes. We're back in. We come back out. We do another 20. It's nearly a fucking hour. You know, it's mad. Yeah. They, 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 I never wonder why players are cramping at the end of games. <laughs> Ledge, what do you but, think? But when, you, when, you, when you have a backroom team, right, and this, and this probably is a, a conversation. We, everyone, we wants, everyone wants to value their worth. Everyone wants, everyone value. wants a pound of flesh. Like, and, and listen, I know there's probably lots of S&C fellas that are here, but, it's, but sometimes less is more. Like, and, and there's absolutely no doubt about it. Everyone, er, like, everyone wants to have their 10, 15 minutes of, this is my drill, this is my time. But, but ultimately, you have to remember what you're doing. You're you're not running the training session for yeah. you. You're just getting that ready to play. Like and 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 that that has to be that has to be remembered. Not of this, but I I think there definitely is um because you have like we saw yesterday. I remember have a massive backroom team, and each one yeah. of the backroom team yeah. had a part to play in the warmth in some capacity. Yeah. And yeah. and that that's listen. That's all well and good. Absolutely, whatever you're into. But that that's a lot of organising. And I'm just thinking of that from from the the amount of time you have pregame. How much time is wasted explaining drills? moving, getting bibs, picking up cones, going to something different. Like ultimately it should just be flowing fairly rapid. Now look a pro setup like rugby, the lads are doing it literally every day of the week. So it's yeah. it, like yeah. clockwork. But um yeah, yeah I, I it's 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 a funny one. I think there's definitely an overemphasis on it in the GS, I think. But like but like lads, the, the players will have spent maybe another twenty minutes themselves even in the change rooms before they even come out. Yeah. And the other point is whenever you're training on a Tuesday and a Thursday or whatever it may be, your warm up a lot of the time is half of what it is on match day. Yeah. So why all yeah. of a sudden on match day does it have to be, you know, completely different to what you're doing in training? Yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. 
you know. Well, going on to the game, Daniel, I suppose our says the big takeaway we me and you both had obviously was that well, one thing first and foremost, there's nowhere to get a good pint in Armagh. <laughs> and we, we tried, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, that was a big takeaway. No, to be fair, the Pierce Oaks Club's in a lovely spot. But but on a serious note, the um the game itself, the two goalkeepers. So this whole thing, Ryan, before the game, McGuinness's press, McGuinness's press, but it's not really McGuinness's press. Donegal have always pressed to kick out, always pressed to kick out. So first half of an after playing Hughes, I was very impressive playing Hughes, Daniel, the first half. Yeah. Uh, I thought he picked holes in the Donegal press. His, his short kickouts, particularly the tip of the D, were brilliant. Uh, but in the second half, Daniel, I thought Sean Patton was outstanding. Me and you commented a couple of times about the sort of the one-step kickout. You know, and that, that was the big takeaway for me. I said to Kevin at Ed School, like, you know, the ability of both goalkeepers to pick holes in the press. And that's a fascinating aspect, Daniel, of the modern game. Like, it really is. Like, Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was probably the most interesting part of yesterday, like, golden spade to spade, because as we said, kind of on pod last week, both teams were going to mirror each other. So it was cagey yeah. a lot of the time. I, I yeah. thought Lane was excellent in the first half. Now there was a significant yeah. wind going down one half of the field, and and like I I Armagh filled the D really well. They put five six players yeah. in around the, the D, yeah. and, and Tony Gall couldn't split it. Um, I thought Tony Gall were actually a little bit passive in their press. Like we were talking about Dublin being active in their zones. Tony Gall weren't really; they were a bit static. Um, I thought I thought Lane was excellent. He probably I'd say he was close to one hundred percent in the first half. I don't think yeah. I think he went along with maybe one, maybe two. Um. But equally, then on the other side, I, th- I thought Patton was just on a different planet. Like there were sometimes I was thinking, "There's our man a good press." Like there, there was nowhere for nowhere for him to put it, and he was yeah. he was just kicking out chest like kickouts you probably aren't even seeing like in real time that are on, and he's yeah. able to quarterback. Yeah. Able to see a play when, almost ahead of it. Um, when you're watching, Ryan, did you watch the game? Or no, I was um, I was actually down in Carlo. Okay. Uh, yes, sorry. I'll I'll chat. I'll come to that in a wee second. But if you watch the sort of the game, like it is, Daniel, what you say, you can't really do justice for the kickouts when you're when you're yeah. at it. It's just a different. Even our mass kickouts, Daniel, in the second half, they're struggling a wee bit, and then they pulled the two boys, pulled Macken right at the sideline, they pulled uh, I think it was Aaron McKay right at the other sideline. You know, to try and sort of stretch it a wee bit to give them wee pockets up. So, you know, they were looking for pockets for Blaine to play, to pick in the yeah. second half, and they probably couldn't really get them because Donegal went ultra aggressive with the wind. You know. I, I thought that was probably what got Tony Gall back into the game a little bit after, especially like obviously the goal was a bit of a, a bit of a hammer blow because I, to be honest, I, I thought it was a bit lucky. He was poor defending, probably he was a bit of a lump in from Mackin for seventy yards, and and that and it kept Armagh in it. But I thought Tony Gall's press was actually what really got them got them moving. Yeah. Like Tony Gall was fairly big around the middle and probably bigger than Armagh, yeah. and I think that's what got them on the front foot. But but the notable difference in the second half from Tony Gall was how active that press was. First half it was static. Second half there was communication. There was lateral movement. They were they were going hard after that. And even on break ball, like they were in their zones. But the second they realised, right, if if on if everyone on the right hand side realised break ball's gone left, everyone shifted to the left. And like we saw yeah. this an awful lot yesterday as well, where all the play was in one half of the pitch, as in one side. Yeah, of the pitch, yeah. And they were yeah. freeing up. There were so many times that Donegal got a couple of switches that Armagh had defended between the middle of the goal and the sideline. And it, ne- it, look, yeah. it never occurred, but that, that, a lot of that was coming from, from Donegal's press and the kick on Armagh just couldn't get out and, and had to defend very narrow at times. But um, yeah, look, the game itself was definitely cagey. Some of the, some of the simple skills, like I, I think the better grounds does lend itself to more contact. It is very hard to find spaces, like it really is. But I, I thought kickouts from both keepers were probably my pick of the day. Yeah, small wee thing, Ryan, and this sounds a bit pedantic, like, but Johnny Burns came on and Stefan Campbell came on. The first couple of contributions 
was a sort of a, a fumbly hand pass, Daniel. I don't know if you remember that, or a wee spill or a wee yeah. turnover. We're talking about warm-ups. Like, players aren't allowed to handle the ball in the warm-up, right? In, in a game where predominantly, and I said this to you yesterday, Lance, in a game where predominantly, Ryan, 90% of our game is played with the hands and the ball. Why are players not allowed on the sideline even to do a wee quick hand pass and thrill or even a wee quick one-two? You know, players not allowed to actually have an impact in the warm-up with a ball in their hands when they're coming on. Like, you could be sitting for 50 minutes not having a ball in your hands and then bang you're in to a heat of the championship game because that was sort of championship intensity ledge at times yesterday too. Like, you know, and there's a lot to be said for that. Like, sure. Probably, prob- probably to be fair on the players, like, again, to relate back to rugby, Players are always behind the goals and they're popping the ball, yeah. you know, between each other yeah. and they're ready to go. And um, as you said in Gaelic, in Gaelic there, you might be brought on with 20 minutes to go. Fair enough, you might get doing a bit of a kick about it at half time, but sometimes you're not allowed out in the pitch. Yeah. So a lot of them guys yeah. maybe haven't touched the ball since the warm up for the start of the game. Um, yeah. It's something, look, I, I don't know. I, I do feel now myself as a player, of course, you want to get a feel of the ball before you're being brought on to a, you know, a yeah. big game like that. Um, Stefan Campbell is he's a very skillful player. What you said, the first the first possession he had, he, he kind of gave a, a watery it's fist pass. And, yeah, yeah. And Charlie Burns the same, you know, a couple of weeks fumbly pass. And I think that definitely has definitely has to be, you know, the fact that for 50 minutes I haven't touched the ball, you know. But going back to the game tactically, Ryan. Uh interestingly, myself and Tanya straight away within about three minutes to have we said sort of like we're looking at Donegal. What what's Jim gonna bring differently? Like, but within three minutes they had 15 men behind the ball. Within three minutes, like they had 15 men behind the ball. And they're obviously rotating their sweeper. Uh, you know, it was it was it was Hugh McFadden for a while, it was Ryan McHugh for a while, Daniel, it was Peter Mogan. You know, they had the flexibility in how they were defending. And it was interesting, our math were were very similar, Daniel. In that, you know, Kieran Mackin was marking McBurdy man to man and did a fantastic job, McBurdy, when he seemed to be out the field. But yet, when McBurdy went in inside Ryan, you know, Aaron McKay picked them up. And, and one thing that me and him had talked about, Ryan, it's interesting. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Like the level of comms at intercounty level now, communication between players, like Aidan Fokker was outstanding as communication. There was a lovely moment where Steve McManaman got the ball right underneath us and Fokker was just shouting, Let him have it, let him have it. You know, and I know that, I know that's the old club. The cornerback let him have it, but like it's right, like you know what, McBurdy on the ball in that area, like let him have it, like you know, and it was just yeah. we small legs, but the level of communication rise now through the roof and at the county level through the roof. It is, and I suppose that's where players are they're now smart. Where Kieran Mackin to me is probably more of a halfback. <clears throat> so when McBurdy was yeah. at when McBurdy was playing out the pitch, Kieran Mackin was probably very comfortable picking him up there. So naturally enough, McBurdy was cute enough to pull Mackin into the full into the full forward line where he's probably not as comfortable. That was the other thing I noticed about Dublin. Dublin don't really lose their shape when they're man-marking. So, for instance, Johnny Small will pick up Potty Clifford. But if Potty Clifford maybe moves way back deep into his own defence, John Small then will just let somebody else tag him like a scully or yeah. something. You know, um, you see other other teams where they just say, man-mark him to death no matter where he goes. Um, so, look, communication is very important as well. And I suppose having the trust in your teammates that... Um, you know, he'll be able to deal with them for that play until, you know, you might need to switch over again. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, the, the, the man-marking idea is interesting because I don't know if you saw uh, Derek Hanovitz ball over the weekend and yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a real opportunity for like a double up for, for leaving your man going to the danger, defend the danger. That's, that's I, the most logical thing any defender we thought to defend the danger, defend the goal. And it was, it was my man. I have my man, even if he's running to the sideline and getting me out of the way on purpose. Well, I have my man is not scoring. I don't think you can operate like that at this level. Like, I mean, it's, and, and, and that, that does require a huge level of communication, as you alluded to, Stevie. Like, I mean, it, it's, 
a rotating sweeper, I know myself, it's very, very hard to do that because a sweeper a lot of the time is a kind of a unique position. Like you have to be able to read, you have to be able to read situations and, and read danger an awful lot of the time. So like for both our man Donny Gall to be comfortable with four or five different players doing it, I thought it was very interesting, but it required constant talk. Um, like the, the only thing with, with Donny Gall is like McBrady was back inside his own 45 three or four times. Teams yeah. are so good now at exposing players like McBrady. He's a fantastic footballer, but God knows he's not, a, he's, not a, he's not a right wing back. You imagine Derry isolating him. They'll flood everyone inside that half of the field. He'll just get picked up. Um, so, so like I'm not, sure, I'm not sure 15 back is ideal for Donny Gall's style of play. Um, yeah, but it's 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 interesting. But as I said, more things, more things changed. More said the same. Yeah. The only thing <laughs> I would say, Dan, yeah. and I get you about McBrady sprinting back is probably not where you want him to be. But for someone like him, it's probably being man marked by one player really closely. Mm. I find then by him tackling back actually potentially gets him free from the players that's yeah. tagging him. You know, yeah. and then. If Donegal happen to turn that ball over, more often than not, it'll be the closest player to McBurdy that will just yeah. tag him until the until the play the play finishes, you know. So yeah, Dorek Dar- Canavan's another boy that's very good at that, where he'll come drifting out the pitch, Trone turn the ball over. All of a sudden, then the guy that's maybe supposed to be man marking Dara Canavan is nowhere near him because he's tried to join the attack. And then yeah. Canavan will just maybe burn a, a mismatch of a midfielder or a halfback or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good point. And, yeah. And, and it's actually, lads, it's it's much more harder. Lads, we've talked about this. It's much more harder to pick up or tag someone from deeper than it is mm-hmm. when they're inside. You know, and I remember Ryan, like for example, even with Carlo, we're going to chat about Carlo now. Ryan, you were at the game at the weekend, a uh, big big game in Division Four. Like when we were playing, lads, like obviously Foley and Broderick were were key forwards for us. I don't know if you remember the Throne game, for example. We lined him out at left half back. You know, just yes. enough, just to sort of just to sort of give them something different to think about. So we knew he was going to be tagged, Ryan. But what we're saying is, just hover around left half back first 15, 20 minutes, be deep. You know, it's much harder to pick a player up like that. You know, when it's, when it's back to goal, and you've got a hold of him, and you've got fucking two or three men around him. You know, and it's just interesting, like you know. Yeah, no, um, definitely, I agree. It, it, throw, it throws the opposition off as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But Brian, going on to uh, obviously our man Donny Gall. Suppose tonight we've chatted tactically about two games in particular. We've chatted about the Dublin Kerry game. We've chatted about our man Donny Gall. Uh, you know, it's still early in the year. It's still a bit of shadow box. And you were obviously in Netwatch on Sunday for Carlo and Leitrim, and, and I think this is brilliant because you know we're watching the Sunday game. You're watching other shows, and you're looking at the big couple of games. But to actually analyze a Division Four game. Is 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 probably obscure for a lot of for a lot of people. So from from your perspective, you obviously have chatted to you today about this. You, you were very impressed, obviously, with 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 the pace of Carlo. Would it be, would it be right in saying that? Yeah, uh, for me, it was it was a very even game in my opinion. Um, first half, Carlo probably shaded it. In fairness, they were ahead at half time, which reflected that. Second half, I felt that Leitrim came with a lot more energy, and the game became more frantic, which. In one way, it brought Leitrim to life and it brought them into it. The likes of Ryan O'Rourke was able to find more space. Barry McNulty for Leitrim kicked three or four points as well. But for me, the half-back line of Carlo was very impressive. Uh, Bambrick at wing half-back. I'll be honest, I hadn't seen him play before, but they were very smart about the way they set it up. They seemed to always get him on a mismatch with regards to pace. Got the kick out of the way short and he could just burn whoever faced him. He could just burn them on the outside. And Carlo, within a few seconds, were transitioning from a short kick out to straight up into the half forward line where the likes of Dalton or Halton, sorry, Foley, uh, Dumphy, and these boys then, the shooters were coming off him. Another guy that impressed me for Carlo was Clark, as a Jimmy Clark. He was actually right, Jimmy, wearing number yeah. seven. Yeah. 
He was wearing number seven, left-footed, if I'm correctly on that. Yeah. But he seemed to play a lot of the, a lot of the time further up the pitch. Um, he was definitely very, very influential throughout the whole game. Morrissey is obviously, you know, a big figure for Carlo in the middle of the pitch. He was tagged very closely. Um, Leitrim actually just put a man on him to, to follow him everywhere. Um, and then obviously Foley up front, like he he's still he's still a finisher. Once you get the ball Back into up. his hands, le- left or right foot, uh, he backed himself. So I felt Carlo were big, they were physical, and the pace coming out of defence was was the, the big thing for me, especially Bambrick at wing half back. I thought he was excellent throughout. Uh, Carlo was they probably learnt from where Wexford played Leitrim the week before, in that Carlo dropped off more or less every single Leitrim kick out. So they let them have it, and that there enabled them always to have a plus one in front of Ryan O'Rourke and Dara Rooney. And yeah. you know, the, them two guys for Leitrim have been causing havoc throughout the league. So Carlo were probably always well set up in the first half. The second half, it did become a bit more frantic, and like Ryan O'Rourke scored a, a clinker of a goal. But um, the last the last play, it came from that right wing again where Bambrick was set up. It was a long kick out. Carlo actually won it. And they just transitioned down the right hand side, and your guy Colin Holton, unbelievable finish. Like he stepped in again. We talked about players backing themselves. Like he's yeah. he's right footed, if I'm right on that. Uh, backed himself, stepped inside, and there was loads of bodies, and he could only put it in one 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 place, and he stuck it in the, in the stanchion. Holton Holton came into the panel in May last year, and I'll tell you a good story about him. I don't mind sharing this, but uh, he came in with a real sort of cocky Dublin Dublin sort of attitude about him. You know, like Colin's a nice lad. Like you know, I'm not getting at him here, but. It was funny one night. Uh, Ryan, he, he had told me he was sort of the the top scorer, and I think it was what what club was he? Ledge Bally Ballymun Kickers. Ballymun Ballymun. He's the second top scorer in Ballymun behind Dean Rock. I said, "Oh, brilliant, great lad, fair play to you, you know." And he had that sort of swagger about him. So he was standing there. So he, he was eligible to play for Dublin, and we're in the training ground in Chiarlo, and he was standing one night. The Chiarlo tracksuit top on him, and he wasn't training; he was injured. And he says to me, "I never, I never thought I'd be wearing one of these." And I says, "Well, you'll not be wearing a fucking Dublin one anyway." But uh, <laughs> but I just brought him back down to wee level, you know. Yeah, <laughs> no, listen, listen, a talented player, a talented player. There's no doubt about it at all. Um, and a finisher, a finisher, you know. But Ledge, I suppose we've sort of looked at. We were at the Carlo game last year against Antrim. Uh, they're very young, very naive. You know, probably probably a bit probably a bit too honest. You know, at times, even even the way they play. But but certainly what Ryan's saying there, they've obviously sort of decided. Look, you know, to to win these games, we're going to have to be smart and, and defend properly. Yeah, it, it it was um I, I was talking to Dara Foley after the after the leash game and obviously you know trying to get things back up and running and I won't give away any trade secrets or anything, but obviously Carlo have been struggling a bit on their own kick out and I'd I'd be curious, obviously I didn't see what any of it um Ryan, but what what way did Leitrim go really hard after the Carlo kick out or what what was yeah. the rest like? Leitrim did. Um Fury was in goals and in fairness yeah. to him. In the first half, he was he was excellent at getting it away short because Leitrim probably had a, there was a slight breeze and I felt Leitrim had it in the first half. They were putting a real good squeeze on, as in they were pushing, committing a lot of bodies forward. But Fury wasn't afraid on the one step, get it off mm-hmm. to a cornerback, and mm-hmm. probably then Carlo impressed me with how they could, they could control the ball coming out in the first half. Yeah. Uh, took the stick, took the sting out of it, and then in the second half, once the game opened up a bit, Fury again got it away short to the likes of Bambrick. Um, Carlo were very good at coming in narrow and then yeah. bunching, bunching in and breaking out. And Bambrick nearly was always on a mismatch. Like his, his pace was lightning. Yeah. Um, Carlo what, clubs attacked, Mickey, what, what clubs, Mickey, uh, Daniel? Uh, he's from O'Loughlin. 
He's a he's a he's a fantastic footballer. Like he, yeah. he's a really he's a really good. Ryan, player. Ryan, Ryan, there was a video floating about last year. I don't know if you remember. There was a goal he scored. Ledge, do you remember that against yeah, was Longford. He in Longford? Ryan, he he took the ball in the halfway line and literally just weaved his way through. You know, a, a slalom of players and just bang buried it. Like you know, brilliant footballer. You were very yeah. impressed, Ryan. Yeah, I was. And to be honest, in the second half, majority of Carlos' scores came down the right hand side. I don't know whether. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's maybe their, their stronger side just for attacking or maybe they felt it was a weakness on Leitrim's left side but majority of their scores came down the right-hand side and they were actually very good at getting in and getting fist, fisted scores, you know. Um, so, look, the game was... the game was Leitrim felt they had it won. In fairness, Leitrim scored 1-12 in the second half. Uh, they were a much different team in that second half and probably felt that they had done enough apart from that just moment of brilliance from Holton. The one thing I would say is, Carlo, you were talking about them being young last year and you just went and watched them. As soon as they got ahead, they done everything. Now, I suppose from a Leitrim point of view, you'd, you'd say, you know, it's not fair play or whatever you want to call it, but they done everything to make sure that Leitrim got no momentum back up the pitch. They fouled it. They rugby tackled if they had to. They slowed it down. Uh, they got bodies behind the ball and they just dogged it out. That's the ghost. The ghost of Potter, right? It's still alive. Here, six years. I was going to say six, <laughs> six years. Is that, hi, six years. They can't be blaming the Norris in that one for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Here, but but lads, on a, on a serious note, like there, there, there's nearly an hour already. Like with brilliant discussion tonight, even on three games, you know. But I think you know, chatting to Kieran earlier, obviously, you know, our coaches in in the forum, they love to hear sort of you know the analytical stuff, the coaching thing, and particularly being at games, Ryan, yourself being at those two games, great insight, Daniel, myself, and yourself at the Armagh game. I think you see a lot more games and I suppose from a coaching perspective Ryan like you know if you're going to a game is there any sort of things that you would particularly look out for as a coach like with a coach and I analytical eye is there anything in particular that you'd be looking at as a coach like just 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 for our coaches in the forum yeah well you are I suppose as I mentioned there even just going back to that Carlo game like um Carlo dropped off every single kick out of Leitrim's um, and sometimes we get obsessed with stats you know you can maybe go in at half time and say Leitrim's got 100% on their own kickouts. But for me, that that meant that the likes of Ryan O'Rourke and Dara Rooney weren't really influential in that first half period for Leitrim because yeah. they had to they had to work the ball the length of the pitch. Carlo were all a set up. So there's probably a lot a lot to be said for even though you mightn't win every single kick out, but kick it long and all the time. Even if the opposition are yeah. saying giving you the ball to the cornerback, yeah. you know, don't take the simple option. Let's go long and see if we can bypass four or five of the Carlo attackers. And get the ball in early to the likes of them sharpshooters in Ryan O'Rourke and uh, Darini. Sometimes I feel the game now it's a wee bit too obsessed with stats, and a lot of coaches are looking at oh what what was our kickout percentage? You know what was our like Dublin? We talked about them boys backing themselves with their with their shots. Sometimes it's like working the perfect score, working the perfect score instead of just giving a player the, you know the license to go, to back himself and go for it. Um, that was the one thing. Also, as well tactically, we talked about the Dublin press. A lot of teams, you know, say they're going to do it, but they don't actually back themselves. And they probably haven't done enough work on the training ground to have faith. The players don't believe in it enough or they're afraid of what's going to happen if it goes wrong. Yeah, that's interesting, Ryan. Ledge, anything you'd yeah, sort of look for? Well, we, we've talked. I, I always love I always love watching Kickout Press to see what's happening. Yeah, like, yeah. We've talked an awful lot about it. But just the other thing, and it was kind of something from yesterday, when a team gets a turnover, when a team is breaking down the field, how quick are they to set up inside? How quick are they to get numbers high up the field? And, and I thought Donegal was really interesting yesterday. They held, they had two players consistently with paint on their boots either side, uh, either, either flank. They, Donegal got yeah. into win so, so quickly. 
Um, Armagh were more so getting a pod of three, a little nugget up into the up into the twenty one as quickly as they could. It's just really interesting to see. Like we 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 think there, uh, you know, sometimes there's a thought that maybe turnover ball, it can, anything can happen, and forward play might be a bit aloof. But there was a very clear structure every time. Every time there's an attack, there was a, a forward structure, and I think that's probably the the biggest evolution in the last couple of years is that teams were, let's say, originally defending with huge structure, but now you're starting to see more structured attack. Um, it mightn't be the the thing the traditionalists want to hear, but ultimately, when you see how many numbers are behind balls so regularly, you have to have a structured attack. And like obviously, Derry are fantastic at it, but really interesting to see Donegal keeping significant, significant width. And if they were a bit sharper on switches yesterday, they could have had a couple more scores. Yeah, you see, Dan, and just, man, just, coming, just coming in right on, on, yeah. that, on that one. Sorry, like a lot of the time, you're you know we're talking about players getting back and teams are getting everybody behind the ball. But sometimes then when you turn the ball over, are you actually thinking about what you're going to do when you're attacking? Like Tyrone, I think in the second half, I missed that game because it was in Croker, but did they position McCurry more or less as like a number 11? So yeah. that if they, did, if they did turn the ball over, their transition was, they had an, yeah. an option to kick. Like if you're yeah. bringing everyone behind the ball, you've only really got one option when you turn the team over and that's run hard, you know, and you gotta yeah. you got to back yourself that you've got more powerful runners than the opposition have of tracking you. Well, if you leave one or two players up, at least one on the on the 40, and then maybe one inside, you have the two options. You can transition with a kick pass if it's on, or you can run it hard. So was Donegal, at, did they always leave two up? Is that what you were saying? Or did they get everybody back the whole time? Well, I, think, I, think, I think because of the athletic grounds, the nature of it, Ryan, I think Armagh's scramble defence was pretty pretty effectively. It's like a couple of times, even with Sean Patton, got a quick kick out of way. Armagh were very good at scrambling. And the space friend probably wasn't there to kick the ball. But what I'd be interested in saying, and this is what I was actually thinking today before I came on the show, I'd actually like to see Donegal Daniel playing Crow Park because I'd like to see Sean Patton's ability to, to pick holes in a press in Crow Park and then Donegal's nature to kick the ball. I didn't think Donegal kicked the ball as much as Armagh yesterday, Ryan, but I think that was largely down to the sort of the dynamics, Daniel, of the field and how the game played. Would you not agree, sort of? Yeah, there, there, there was no there was no real option to kick pass as such. Like, I mean, it was, no. it was, it was so congested and any kick pass you were given was almost a 50-50 a lot of the time. I mean, Armagh, before Armagh's goal, they put in maybe five kick passes into the, in, inside the 45, kind yeah. of trying to penetrate. Every one of them were turned over. The goal was lucky, yeah. to be honest with you. It was just poor yeah. defending from McManaman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, and I know, look, with putting ball in, you, you throw enough shit at the wall, eventually something's going to stick, so you might get one out of five. But I, I there was, like, Croke Park Park plays so differently, and it's a really good point from uh, that Ryan is making, like, I think in Croke Park you have to have the ability to kick as well as transition through the hands. And I think 100%. that's why that's 100%. why Dublin and Kerry are so good. And I think that's why teams that play purely on the mm-hmm. counter will struggle in Croke Park. And it's my worry for Derry. Like Derry naturally will they run hard through the hands. That is just that is yeah. kind of their game. I think that that double pivot, that eleven and the fourteen, that at least the option for a kick pass or a second kick pass is there. And McCurry and Canavan in the second half, I, I saw it second half, they were top, top class where it was one kick pass second kick pass and then you had four or five transition runners yeah. coming hard off Canavan. It was it was really nice to watch. The one thing and, and, that that's exactly I was gonna say Derry, maybe that's why they have struggled in Crow Park because their game plan is based around let's say turning the team over and, and hard counter attack and running the ball through the hands. Uh, like Shane McGuigan is back often as much as any other player. The one thing I noticed about Kerry was they always left Sean O'Shea and David Clifford up top. You know, this some that's probably something they're going to maybe change this year. Sean O'Shea sometimes can you know just be brought back and playing like deeper. He was always up top with, alongside Clifford. The other thing about Kerry Footballers, if you just watch them, every time they get the ball, no matter where they are, they always look forward. 
Um, yeah. It's obviously something in the training ground. Like they, they, they must run conditioned games where if you're not looking up, the opposition gets the ball. You know, yeah. so no matter where they are, they're not looking sideways. If they turn a team over, they're not looking for a fist pass sideways. They look up first. If it's not on, then then they'll build it accordingly. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, it's fascinating. And just just to finish, lads, I suppose we've we've seen you've seen a division one game, Ryan, on Saturday night. Lads, we've seen a division two game, top of division two Sunday. Uh Ryan, you were in division four on, on Sunday as well. Seen a bit of down on Saturday as well, division three. You know, like the game for me is in a it is a very healthy state. Uh I think there's you know, there's 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 a fascination around so many aspects of the game. And I think, you know, I think McGinney said it last week after the Kildare game, you know, we're a wild, wild sport for like doom and gloom and change and we need to do this and we need to do that and let sports let sort of the sport evolve and actually I do feel Ryan I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll finish this we'll give you the closing word the game is starting to evolve naturally into a better spectacle would you agree? Definitely like I think um, teams realise now Stephen that playing ultra defensive and trying to keep the opposition to 9 or 10 points and maybe you scoring one eight, one nine. Yeah, it's not going to happen you know no. it, it, might, it might it might win a game here and there but realistically, you're not going to probably get get out of a league campaign playing that way, and yeah. you're not going to win, you're not going to win a provincial title playing that way. Like, yeah. Fermanagh kicked sixteen points there at the weekend against Cork, and yeah. you know yeah. that that's unheard of for Fermanagh. If I'm being honest, it's a long time since they've kicked that amount, and yeah. you'll still have naturally enough, you'll still have people complaining that oh, you know, we didn't do this or we we, we conceded we conceded too much, we conceded too much the yeah. other way. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. I think the game's in a great position, and no matter what you do, obviously Jarlath Burns is going to look at a few things, but no matter what you do, you're always going to have people that aren't happy. There were twelve thousand at the athletic ground. You said yesterday, yeah. There was a massive yeah. crowd at double at the Dublin Kerry game uh, on Saturday night. You know, there was a massive Leitrim support down in Carlo at the weekend. So people, people are still enjoying the game, in my opinion. Yeah, Ledge. Yeah, I, I think we've been very careful taking opinions from Tom fifty seven on Twitter. Like, do you know what I mean? You, you, you kind of have to just look at as as Ryan said, people will bolt with their feet. And the national yeah. leagues, like we we landed in what we landed in two hours, oh, the two and a half hours before throwing. There's, like, yeah. there's a queue, there's a queue a mile long. So yeah. ultimately, I don't I don't think there's any issues. And like if you want to find if you want to poke holes in any sport, you'll and look hard enough, you'll find it. If you want to find a bit of good in it, you'll find it as well. And look, yeah. I, I I I wouldn't be thinking that there's any drastic changes necessary. I think it's as you say, it's naturally evolving. You know, yeah. If Dublin and Kerry's end the goal by on Saturday evening, we're we're in for a decent summer, you know. Yeah, lads, thanks very much. Brilliant insight, and uh, we'll hopefully catch you again next week, lads. Ryan, thank you. Daniel, thanks again, lads. Thanks, lads. Cheers, boys. Take it easy. Right.